like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. Back with us is Angela Hanscom, author of of Balanced and Barefoot. Uh, What are we talking about this time, Heather? Well, I would love to have a great discussion about recess with Angela. Angela Hanscom is the author of Balanced and Barefoot. She's also the founder of Timbernook, which does great outdoor play with kids all over the world. Um, Can you, just to start before we dive into recess, can you tell us a little bit about um, Timbernook and um, what the programs are that you do there with kids? Absolutely. So we are in five countries. We're in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, London, and the United States. We offer children in the form of year-round birthday parties, um, but they're child-directed. Um, the adults often step back. They're hidden in the woods, and it's often in a very natural um, environment. Right. So, so just for the, the skeptic who will say, well, why shouldn't, you know, why do you even need adults who are trained in child development to, to be on the spot when kids are just playing by themselves? What, how would you respond? We lost Angela. Okay. And, you know, I could barely hear her answers a lot of the time. Is that the quality of the audio? I think that might be the quality of your, I think that might be your volume and your settings. There's Angela's back. Um, So what's, how do we explain to skeptics the value of kids being out in, in the woods like they are with Timbernook, uh, Angela? I I had, I had the, uh, the privilege of visiting a couple days at a Timbernook program in, uh, in the Newcastle area in Australia, and it is delightful. Thank you. So how would we describe a typical um, yeah. Timbernook how do you describe it? Experience? How would you explain it to somebody that said they don't need that? How do you explain the value of, of all that nature? Sure. So what we are offering is, um, it's called, we, at the heart of Timbernook is the Timbernook experience. So they might do something like um, recreating the three little pigs out in the woods where they build a house out of real bricks, um, real sticks and bales of hay. Um, but it's the child's design um, and they're engaging the senses, living and breathing the story. Um, and it can look completely different in New Zealand than it does here in America. Older kids might create a giant marble run or a ball run throughout the woods. And so the engineering and the creativity um, and child-directed experience um, 
fosters um, creativity and it's, it's real learning. It's mo and it's cause it's play and um, the experiences are grand scale. So it, it's like you, um, the, the reason for that is we want them to engage the mind and the body. And there's always a social component and then there's hours of free play afterwards. Um, so we see the experience as a bridge to free play. Some kids are really struggling with um, knowing what to do out in the woods with, with no inspiration at all. And so the environment, um, environment is the stage for inspiration. We, it's probably 75% of the game. We really stage the, the woods to inspire higher levels of play. Um, but at free play, the kids, the older kids especially start creating societies in their own worlds. Um, and the play each year keeps getting more and more advanced what they come up with on their own. It's so marvelous. And what do you say when, I mean, there are kids who, who, as you say, don't know what to do when they're put out in the woods, but a lot of schools actually have some trees or not all of them. Um, but when I see a school that has trees, there's almost always a rule. Thou shalt not touch a stick. That is a rule I see all over in school playgrounds. How, how do you uh, get over that adultness of, well, of course you play with sticks. That's what sticks were invented for. All right. So we talk about the value of sticks um, through uh, visual affordances. So we talk about how a stick may have, um, you know, one person might come up with 50 different ways to play with that stick and another child might come up with the other ways to play with that stick. And the more exposure they get to different types of loose parts, uh, materials that can, they can be used for multiple purposes, and the more they get exposed to other children using those materials in different ways, the more creative they, they get, the more opportunities they think of. So it leads to a lot to creativity. Um, but I think children need exposure to that. They need to have environments that, um, that inspire them. You know, they need to see other kids playing with those materials. Mm -hmm. And I think we're quick to give up. We're like, just take sticks away. It's too dangerous. But we really um, should start seeing it as um, inspiration for kids. Mm -hmm. And do you find that for kids that um, maybe have worked with screens a lot or they haven't just had a lot of free play in their lives, do you feel that you have to teach them how to play or do they just a little bit of time and a little bit of trust and a little bit of boredom and eventually they'll be just fine yeah so i think that we can't we don't we don't want to teach them how to play because um, that's an easy where we start giving adult ideas and then the kids start um, seeking reassurance from the adults so i really think that um the environment if the environment is set up properly and it's inspiring, that's all you need. And the adults can actually, if the environment is right, the adults can step back. They don't need to say anything. And um, part of the environment is the other children. I think having mixed ages is really key because if they're all the same age, often you'll see more behavioral issues, more conflict. Um, and I think they need plenty of space. Like if they're too close together, you'll see more issues, um, more conflicts happen. So I think the environment is really key in um, inspiring different types of play. Yeah. Especially I, with kids that had a lot of practice with it. In, in my visit um, in, in Australia to the Timbernick program, I saw this. There were um, a number of kids I would classify as experienced players, uh, you know, six, seven-year-olds that had really spent a lot of time really playing. And on this particular day, there was a, a child who this was only their maybe first day, no more than second or third day, 
having a Timbernook experience who was kind of standoffish and not really knowing what to do. Um, and as the day wore on, the other kids, a little bit older and more experienced, kind of kind of nurtured them in. And it's a whole scaffolding thing is, is what it is. They're learning from, from their peers and, and uh, getting out of their comfort zone, zone a little bit. And it was, it was amazing to watch because we were, I was back a couple days later and this child was, was king of the forest after, after being really reluctant the first day mm -hmm. I visited. So yeah, it's, it's amazing to watch that happen. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about outdoor play that's maybe not in a natural setting? So I'm thinking about the neighborhood playground and it's always garish colors and some of it looks interesting, some of it doesn't if you're a kid. Um, can you give us some thoughts on playground equipment and, and what could be better put in a play area for kids? Yeah, so I think in a, um, like a neighborhood setting, I really like um, loose parts um, because they're not fixed and they can move them around. Um, and again, they have many opportunities to use um, affordances. So boxes, um, you know, sticks, tires, planks, those sort of things um, are going to inspire different kinds of play. Um, they don't have a certain usage versus a, like a playground. Um, so I think that um, like a, there's a lot of pop-up adventure playgrounds and that sort of thing. I think they're seeing the benefits of, of more play because um, they're using loose parts. So, um, but that would be my recommendation if you don't mm -hmm. have like nature play, but, and then plenty of space again, so it's not too confined. And visually, I mean, sometimes it seems that when you go into a setting that, that adults design for children, it's all very bright primary colors or just garish colors. Um, there's a lot of lights and noise. And sometimes my, I am totally overstimulated. And I think about these little ones who, who can get overstimulated even more easily. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I think it's um, a lot of our environments are overstimulating. You know, the playgrounds, the primary colors, like I know they were designed to try to entice and engage children, but they they can be um, overstimulating. And some of our environments can be, we call it dysregulating. Like it actually, like you'll see children unravel almost like and just go, their arousal level keeps going higher because maybe they're in an environment where they're too close to other children. Um, Oh, sorry, hold on. It's 11 o'clock. Oh, okay. Um, so someone else has to use the room. Um, so I might, I'm going to have to shift gears. Okay, well, let's, let's, uh, we're going to lose Angela here in a minute. Let's do a, a quick wrap up with Angela. And then Heather, we can go for a couple minutes afterwards just to, to wrap up this episode. If you can find Angela Hanscom at timbernook.com, you can uh, find the book Balanced and Barefoot uh, and get all the Angela you want. And we uh, recorded a, a couple episodes of the Child Care Bar and Grill with Angela as well. If you want to go listen to those, if you need more Angela in your life. Thank you for joining us, Angela. Um, in, enjoy your day and, uh, and, uh, and keep up the good work that you're doing. Oh, Angela froze. Thank you so Thank much. You. <laughs> All right. Great to have you. Thanks so much. And, and so Heather, I want to, I want to touch on something Angela said for a minute about those play spaces. Sure. Um, I, the, they've finished a playground in my neighborhood at a new school and it's got the whatever they spend on those structures forty thousand dollars on those fixed playground structures you know and and then it's got the rubber 
rubber matting instead of like wood chips and those kind of things. And so there's nothing that moves. They put a couple of balls out during recess time. And I, I noticed a couple of little girls were playing. They found a place where, where construction runoff puddle pooled the mud would pool at the end of the playground on the concrete and so they were scooping up with with their fingers scooping up this little these little bits of dry dirt and they had maybe two teaspoons of of dry dirt they found the only loose parts they could find on that playground but that's what they were drawn to because they needed something they could manipulate and i, I think mm-hmm. i think we make that that mistake with a lot of playgrounds is is they're designed for for adults more than they are designed for actual real human children yeah, absolutely. You know, when you mentioned even taking away the wood chips, because um, my my son's playground at school when he was younger had wood chips, and kids did all kinds of things with the wood chips. You know, they'd make little sand castles, wood chip castles, and he loved to scuff his feet and make little uh, trail systems and kind of little maze that would connect. And so he got benched and got his recess privileges <laughs> taken away because he made whole, you know, he was making paths in the wood in the chips. And that was unacceptable. But this is what kids want to do. They want to move stuff. They want to touch stuff. They want to be in control of objects that that they find, whether it's chips of wood or bits of water in a puddle. Um, And we we do our best, it seems, as adults to just strip it all and make it as sterile as possible and then make these draconian rules, thou shalt not touch the wood chips. Yeah, yeah, it's insane because, I mean, you're not going to keep them from touching the wood chips. It's just, it's a rule you can't enforce or or consistently enforce. I mean, why, why, why would you want to? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's all, it's really all about power and control a lot of the times. Um, And, and that's kind of, kind of a a hard situation where, where the kids want some power and control over their lives and their experience. And the adults want the same thing. And there, there, there are conflicts that ensue. And that gets a little bit messy. Should we wrap this one up? That sounds good. Yeah. So um, we we were delighted to have Angela Hanscom with us. Um, she had to run in the middle, probably had to go up, climb a tree or jump in a puddle. Um, but we were delighted to have her with us. And there's all kinds of good stuff that she does about getting kids outside. If you need a dose of why this is good for kids, why it's good for your program, check out her information, Timbernook dot com Angela Hanscom. Yeah, I, I I really think Heather in in it's okay not to share and it's okay to go up the slide. You you really break those kind of social emotional issues down into bite-sized pieces a lot. And I think in Angela's book, she does this with a lot of the neurology and the, the physical development stuff, which is why I think the, those three books pair really nice together when it comes to, to early learning reading. We will be back soon with another episode. You can find Heather at heathershoemaker.com. You can find me at Explorations Early Learning on the interwebs. Um, thanks for listening. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy 
whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.